Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode, No More Sickness, is the second in our series called All Things New, with the conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. Continue with our time of engaging spiritual things, specifically now through the teachings and person of Jesus. Uh, many of you know this, but let me just kind of Re- reframe or cast a vision for what we do with the remainder of our time. We believe here at Athnos that, again, spirituality is very important. And spirituality, the thing with spirituality is that spiritual truth can be found in many different places. It can be found in nature. It can be found in various religious traditions. But we believe that there's something unique about Jesus, something special about who Jesus is and how he taught that for the remainder of our time, for, for every Sunday, actually, our time here, we focus in on his teachings and his works as a religious figure. Now, we'll explain a little bit more why we think this is important. In fact, if you're interested in trying to figure out why Jesus, you can always go to our free resource area, and there are a couple of books about like why Jesus as the way for us. But we invite you to bring whatever your ideas are, whatever your thoughts are, to the table, so to speak, and join us in this exploration of spiritual truth from the perspective of Jesus. Now, last week, of course, we began something new here. Not only was it spring, but it was also Easter. And so I mentioned last week, as we celebrated and began uh, the spring season with Easter Sunday, I mentioned that we would begin a new series here, a new six-week series focusing in on how the story of Easter and how the event of Easter, this resurrection of Jesus, how that impacts us every day. We began that conversation last week and noted this, some big picture ideas, but today what we're going to do is we're going to zero in on one of the ways Easter impacts us. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I want us to get going thinking about this subject through a very important question that I want us to discuss around our tables, okay? And you guys know how this works, many of you do, and so if you could engage with us this morning, uh, we're going to talk basically about this idea in the form of a question. Can you turn to your neighbor and ask this very simple question, what do you like most about your body? What it can do or what it looks like? What do you like least? Interesting, right? Talk about it with your neighbors, two minutes, and we're going to bring it together and talk about why we're talking about this for Easter, all right? All right, I am curious. I'm curious. Does anyone want to share with us this morning with the larger group what they like or don't like? This is is really personal, right? This This is a personal one. Anyone interested? In being open and vulnerable about this? Yes. Okay. All right. We got some people here. Good, good, good. Yeah. It's a cheater answer. It's a cheater answer. Uh-oh. Okay. Okay. Let's get ready for the cheater answer. Yeah. I like my brain. I really like thinking. 
I'm very thankful for my intellect. Okay, okay, that's pretty good. It is a body part. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, thank you. That's good. That's good. I like my brain. That's good. Who else? Yeah, we don't want to take our minds or brains for granted, right? We definitely don't want to. Anybody else? I know this is a tough personal question. Yeah. Let's get it up for the high school table, as usual. Thank you, high school table. I mean, if you had maybe asked me three months ago, right, what, like, what my least favorite part of my body was, I would probably say, like, the way how, like, um, what's it called? I'm not skinny. <laughs> um, and, um, but, like, I've been, like, in my journey with God these last few months. And so I kind of learned to love myself because God loved me. And, like, you know, it didn't matter if I couldn't fit in certain clothing. It's just that I felt comfortable knowing that I'm alive and I'm well and I'm healthy. I don't have any health problems. And, like, everything else is just a part of me. And I have to accept that I have to love myself equally because love, um, God loves me equally in every single aspect of my life. So that just made me comfortable with who I was. And I didn't really, in the last few months, I haven't even paid attention to, like, my outside factor except, like, maybe, you know, the fact that I need glasses, but besides that, uh, besides that, I feel comfortable with who I am. So, thanks, Jenny. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Anybody else? What do you like most or like least about your body, or how it functions? Right? How it functions or how it looks? Anybody else? I'm gonna be brave. Okay. I don't like my fat. That's the least thing. Um, but I like my mind because. In God, I know my worth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? Now, let's be honest. How many of you felt a little bit uncomfortable with this question? Just being, oh, okay, most of us. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, I'm glad it kind of caught your attention then. Uh, why, why are we talking about this today? Why are we talking about our bodies as we begin this discussion on the resurrection of Jesus and how it changes everything. Well, if you remember last week, if you were here, for us, uh, here with us for Easter Sunday, you'll remember that last week we began to introduce this basic idea that Jesus' resurrection, if we can get the big idea on the screen, Jesus' resurrection, this is from last week, gives us the glory we are meant to have an experience. We talked about last week what glory meant. Glory meant, you know, glory is kind of like that wow factor of something that, wow, this is beautiful or this is perfect. In fact, the more technical definition of glory, next slide, is that glory is the resplendent beauty or magnificence, a state of absolute happiness and gratification and contentment. And we talked about how Jesus' resurrection is what allows us to experience this, not just here in this lifetime, but to experience this in the ultimate possible way in the life to come. We do have tastes of these sort of glory moments here in, that, here, here in, our, in our everyday lives, but, but they're fleeting. They're not perfect. They're, they're incomplete. And so last week, we began to talk about how Jesus, as he was raised from the dead... He allowed us to experience this glory. And now the, the way it worked or the process, the, the kind of the, 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 the system or the steps it went through was as follows. You'll remember that last week we talked about how Jesus' resurrection, next slide, leads to our resurrection, which leads to the rest of the world's resurrection, 
okay? And so that was the flow of how this resurrection process works. And so today, as we think about resurrection, we want to think about, well, what does it mean for us to be resurrected, specifically us and our bodies to be resurrected? Because as we look at the teaching of Jesus, Jesus actually talks about this quite a bit. I want to do two things here this morning in the, in the remainder of our time. I want to bring us to a couple of key scriptures from the teachings of Jesus to look at how this actually happens or, or just how the scriptures talk about this. And then I want to re reflect on why this is important or how this can make a difference in our lives today, okay? So let's do the first thing real quick. You see at your table some handouts with the scriptures for, for this morning. Let me just read through these really quick, and then you're going to turn to your neighbor and kind of talk through what you think this is trying to communicate, okay? Now, again, if you're new to Jesus, if you're new to God, this is going to sound a little crazy. It will. But track with us here, okay? And hopefully you'll be able to see how this all comes together and why this is even important for you as you may be still exploring God and Jesus, all right? Three scripture passages from the teaching of Jesus. It starts with this longer paragraph. Let me read it out loud. Again, we'll read it through all three, and we'll turn to our neighbors and talk through this together. The first is found in a letter called 2 Corinthians, written to early Jesus followers uh, in the city of Corinth. It says this, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on our heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God Himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, He has given us His Holy Spirit. Paragraph number two comes from a letter to the same city. So will it be when the resurrection, with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And then the last excerpt. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Turn to your neighbor and for a brief two minutes, try to unpack with your neighbor what these paragraphs are actually trying to say. What, what's going on in these paragraphs? What is it communicating? Try to decipher it together, and then I'll walk through it with us, okay? Two minutes. Turn to your neighbor.
so these are some pretty fascinating paragraphs, aren't they? Especially if you're new to this journey of Je- with Jesus, if you've never really thought through, um, you know, what Jesus teaches, especially about this idea of resurrection. Uh, these paragraphs are pretty challenging, I think. Uh, the first one, as we take a look, we can see that the author here who is writing is trying to make a very basic but profound point. There will, number one, be a day when we will be out of this current body, but it's not like we will be disembodied spirits. We'll just be spirits without bodies. No, the final state, if you will, for where we're headed is to have a body that is somehow different, somehow, quote-unquote, spiritual, but that doesn't mean it's unseen. It means it's empowered by the Spirit. It is something that is wonderful, really, in the way it's describing it. And we'll take a look at the specific words that it's using. The second thing in this first paragraph that it notes, too, though, is that I love how it's very honest about how we actually are groaning right now in our present bodies. We are frustrated. We, we hit the wall. We, there's something missing in our current body. Now, some of you feel this quite a bit because of age or sickness. Some of us may not feel it as much because we're still healthy and young. But all of us will come to a point, for sure, where we will groan and want to get out of this body, so to speak. But again, the author is saying, well, it's not that you're going to get out of this body. You're going to inherit a different sort of body. Paragraph 2 will tell us a little bit more about what this body is like. Notice the adjectives used, if you will. Uh, Take a look at this second paragraph with me. It notes that the body that is sown is perishable, meaning this current body is perishable. What is perishable? Well, just think about what's in your refrigerator. That's perishable, right? If you take it out of the fridge, it will rot, it will get bad in a matter of moments. That's how our bodies are. They're rotting. They're decomposing. They're out of the fridge, getting stinky. But the new body is imperishable. The second adjective is that this body is not dishonorable, but glorious. We talked about that last week, this word glory. Remember, glory is, again, that moment where you feel like, wow, there's this beauty and and contentment and happiness that is absolute and, and just gratifying. It's those aha moments in life where you're just like, oh, wow, this is it. Our bodies are meant to be like experience that constantly. I kind of think about how we experience that today. I, I think about those moments when we're perhaps sick. We've been sick for a while or we've had chronic pain for a while, and then you have that glimmer, that moment where you're not sick or that, that, that pain all of a sudden isn't there. And you just all of a sudden feel like, whoa, what just happened? Or maybe you haven't been able to do something with your body. Maybe you're, you're an athlete or you're trying to achieve something athletically, and you finally achieve it. You finally bench press you know, 25 pounds or whatever you're trying to bench press. That's, those are my standards. Um, you know, you're trying to bench press, whatever it is, and you finally do it, and you're like, 
wow, this feels great, that, that aha, wow moment. Take that moment and multiply it a million times over. That's what resurrected, glorious bodies should feel like. It notes also that the body was sown in weakness. It is raised in power. I think that's, in a sense, self-explanatory. But notice the next phrase, because I think it actually helps understand this, us understand this power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. What is he talking about there? Spiritual body, again, doesn't mean it's somehow like unseen or you can poke through it or it's not material. That's not what it means. It means what is empowering these bodies. Is it naturally empowered, meaning just empowered by the biochemistry, the biology behind it? Or is it empowered by something else, meaning the Holy Spirit himself? Can you imagine a body, your body, empowered by something bigger than you, greater than you? In fact, if you look at the first, second, and third paragraph, did you note that each paragraph talks about how the Spirit of God Himself is in your body even now, a part of your body? Notice this last paragraph. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. I mean, you got, you got to just kind of pause and let that sink in. This scripture is telling us Part of the resurrection story, the resurrection event, that event we talked about last week, part of what happened from that was that God somehow, as He raised Jesus from the dead and as we got to know Jesus and came into a life with Jesus, God somehow put that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead in us right now. And that Spirit will eventually give life to our mortal bodies, meaning this idea of life forevermore, this eternal life. But, but that spirit isn't just for the future. It's in us right now. Again, the basic schema here that we've been looking at or thinking about is how Jesus' resurrection actually leads to our resurrection and will eventually lead to creation's resurrection as well. So, so how does this actually... like? How does this actually affect us? How might this actually impact our lives today? I want to suggest two ways that this actually makes an impact on us today. This idea that we will have a resurrected body one day. And that even now the Spirit of God living in us is somehow giving us life that we know not of. Number one, I think this actually gives us hope for our lives. What do we mean by hope, and how does this give us hope? I think many of us are familiar with the idea of hope. Hope is basically looking forward to something and hoping something will happen, right? We hope for different things in our lives. Maybe a new job, a new spouse or a spouse, 
new friends or some friends. We hope for things in our lives. But the way hope is, when Jesus talks about it, is a little different. Notice the definition that I've included here. The, the way Jesus talks about hope is hope is not necessarily hoping that something might happen. Hope, according to Jesus, is a confident anticipation that something good is about to happen, that good is coming to you and I. It's kind of like this. I, I was thinking about how to better understand this myself, and it's kind of like this. I, as some of you know, I love food. Food is a big part of what I enjoy in life, what I enjoy about my culture and other cultures. And let, let's just pretend one day you went back home, and let's, let's pretend your mom is the best cook on the earth, okay? Some of us have those moms, right? When my mom comes to my house, we are so excited that my mom is visiting because she can take out all these traditional recipes and get ready. So let's just, let's just imagine you're about to go home to mom's cooking or, or wherever, but a good restaurant, a good chef you know, you're about to go there, you haven't been there in a while, you're excited for the food. And let's just pretend, though, that mom says something, you know what, you know what, before you come home, I just want to let you know I've been working on a new recipe, and it's going to blow you away. So it's something new, something you haven't tried before, but because you know it's mom's cooking, you know it's going to be good. You, you're, you're, you're confident, you're guaranteed. It, there's no questions asked, right? You, it, it may be new, maybe you've never experienced it before, but because it's mom's cooking, you know it's going to be amazing. That's what hope is from Jesus' perspective. You know this God that Jesus talks about. You know that Jesus himself, you know he's good. You know you've tasted it. You know beyond the shadow of doubt. You may not know what the resurrection body is going to be like, but you know enough to know that, oh my goodness, this is going to be good. It's going to be beyond what I can imagine. That's what thinking about resurrection does for us. That's what knowing about resurrection helps us with. It actually helps gives us hope. And I find this true especially when we are on the verge of hopelessness. Some of you know that this last week we were in San Diego uh, visiting Yen's parents. And one of the reasons why we were visiting Yen's parents is because Yen's father, my father-in-law, uh, has Alzheimer's. He's a two-time cancer survivor as well. His body, his mind, his brain is quickly fading. There are moments, in fact, where he tells us he just wishes he could just let go and move on. I've had to pray with my father-in-law. I do that because I love him. I guess I do that because I'm a pastor, but no, I do it because I love him. And whenever I pray for my father-in-law, you know, I don't pray for healing. I don't pray that somehow he gets another five years in this lifetime. I mean, it'd be nice. The way I pray for him is I, I ask God to show him the beautiful body that he will have one day. I ask God to show him that body that he will have one day where he will be free of every single pain, where his mind will be sharper than he has ever known where all the effects of cancer that have torn out his esophagus, he can't produce saliva, he can't eat, he's eating through a feeding tube. I mean, it is not 
a life you want to live, but I pray that God would show him his beautiful body that he will have one day so that he can hope. The resurrection body that we will one day have gives us hope, especially when we're hopeless. But it also, number two, shows us how to pray. Not just for those who are hopeless, like I just shared with my father-in-law, but also pray for those who perhaps can still be healed and changed right here, right now. Remember those three paragraphs. It tells us very clearly that the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit that gave Jesus his resurrected body, that spirit is living in us right now, which means right now there are moments when we can experience that healing. We don't get it all the time, and there, there, there needs to be an understanding that, yeah, this current body is going to pass. There will be a resurrected body. But nonetheless, there are, there are moments that God allows us to experience that resurrection power right now with the healing of our bodies. And so as we think about this then, how does the resurrection change us? How does the resurrection change us and how we think about our bodies, how we deal with the decay that we face? I want to propose to you that it gives us hope and it teaches us how to pray. Well, can you join me in a final word of prayer here this morning as we wrap up this time of reflection? God, we come before you this morning. We are thankful for the resurrection power that is available to us today. We're thankful for what will come in the future, something we can hope in. God, we bring to you ourselves the sicknesses in our bodies, the, the weight, the burden we carry. We give you specifically Luz and Emmy as well, the cancer they are facing. We say, God, would touch us now with your resurrection power, heal our bodies. More importantly, help us to see you and hope in you and believe in your resurrection for us. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We love you. We give ourselves to you here this morning. And it's through Jesus we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.